Ho, 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 my friends. We're back. Welcome back. The Deep Fried Bets podcast makes its triumphant return for season three, chapter one. Boomer, how's it going, my friend? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. It's uh, it's good to kind of ease back into the waters with a couple of no-name big money games coming up this first weekend. Let's go ahead and fill up the uh, the coffers with uh, some of our favorites like Rice and San Jose State. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, season three, Deep Fried Bets podcast. It's here. Um, I mean, we got a lot of good stuff for you. This is our big football, college football preview show. And uh, tonight's episode is actually brought to you by mybookie.ag. It's the only place I take my action. And, you know, it's the safest place to play. And it's the only place I trust. Uh, again, that's mybookie.ag. Go check them out. You know, everybody needs a good place to make that money this football season. So that's the place to be. Um, like I said, we're coming in to our big college football preview show. This is it. Um, Lots of great guests tonight. Um, me and Boomer are here with our picks. So let me go ahead and give you the rundown for tonight's episode. We got interviews. David Payne Purdom. sure you've heard of him if you're a gambler. ESPNChalk.com, their big writer. Um, huge gambling insider. Tremendous interview. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, me and Boomer are going to break down our college football preview, give you our playoff teams, some teams we like, some teams we dislike. Uh, then we're going to give you a national champion because that's what we do here at the Deep Fried Beds Podcast. After that, we're going to shoot to an interview with Matt Brown. You might have heard of Matt Brown. He's over at SB Nation. He's the college sports manager. Uh, he's got a new book out, too, a uh, fascinating book. We'll get to that. It's called What If? A Closer Look at College Football's Great Questions. We'll talk to Matt about that a little later on in the episode. Again, that's Matt Brown. SB Nation, get to him in just a little bit. Then we got some games this weekend, Boomer. Uh, it, there's no technical term. It's not week one. Week one technically kicks off week Thursday. I'm calling it week zero. Uh, we got a couple of college football games. Nothing good, but uh, there's money to be made, so we'll give you that. And then what would we be if we didn't get to the Mayweather-McGregor fight? Um, it's Saturday. It's probably going to be a shit show, but we don't know. Uh, you never know. We're going to talk. We're going to talk a little bit about it. And we got some uh, social media questions. You know, we love those. And, and we'll get to those. And then we'll have a lock for you because it's what is the Deep Fried Beds podcast without the Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. So we'll get to that a little later on. Um, intro, you know, as you might have heard, we, don't, we haven't finalized that yet. We've been working on some, getting back and forth with some guys. So hopefully next week we'll have you a formal intro uh, for season three. But, you know, enjoy the tunes until then. But let's get to it, Boom. Uh, you know, I'm I'm damn glad to be back. I know you are. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's nice to finally come out from the basement. I've been uh, having to bet on cricket games and polo matches for the past couple of months just to you know keep free basing that uh, those bets. And it's great to uh, finally get away from the crack cocaine and uh, get into the good stuff. Yeah, it is. It's good to be back. Um, you know, it's been a rough off season from away from football. Um, you know, we did some some basketball here at the deep fried bets podcast and you know we tried to do some baseball line didn't have a good start baseball just- is uh is the equivalent of waking up baseball gambling actually is the equivalent of waking up in a cardboard box looking around and wondering where your life has gone hey i know a lot of good folks that uh, have great success betting on baseball i'm just not one of them but college football that is one thing we do 
And like I said, college football penthouse. That's where we stay. That's where we reside. We the money. Are, we are the penthouse of college football gambling. Um, but like I said, we're gonna get to our college football previews. Before let's do this. Uh, let's get to this interview with David Purdom. Get some some insider info on the. Uh, the industry as a whole. Fascinating interview. We'll get to that now. All right, folks. We'd like to welcome David Payne Purdom to the Deep Fried Bets podcast. David comes to us from ESPN Chalk. Uh, big writer over there. Uh, wonderful ESPN. Wonderful part of ESPN.com. Probably my favorite part of the website. Uh, all of the uh, the Vegas goings on. Um, again, that's David Purdom, ESPN Chalk. You can find him on Twitter at David Purdom, P-U-R-D-U-M. David, thanks so much for joining us, man. How's it going? Doing good. How are you guys? We're doing good. Um, so yeah, we uh, just talking a little bit. So you are you're the industry guru. Um, that's why we got you on, kind of to get ready for the college football season. Talk a little bit about the uh, the Mayweather McGregor fight, and then maybe get to some NFL here in just a minute. But so college football season's starting up here in just you know Saturday, really. Um, not getting too much love, but there are a couple games on Saturday, and then it really gets going next Thursday night. So you excited about the season? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there was a there was a big move on the on, on Rice in that uh, Stanford Rice Stanford game this weekend. Uh, I was told a bunch of sharp money came in on Rice um, at the South Point Casino over in Las Vegas. They were one of the first ones to have lines up on college football this year. And he told me yesterday that was a that was a pretty significant move. It has a pretty good decision for a game that most of us are kind of you know sleeping on. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask. You know, there are that game, and then UMass Hawaii, and then Oregon State. And Colorado State, and there may be one more. What's mm-hmm. what's the market looking like on those games? Are they attracting a lot of bets, or is most of the money coming in this weekend on the fight? Oh, it, it's all fight right now. I mean, every bet in Vegas seems to be on that fight. That's all the attention. But like I said, that Stanford game drew a little action. Uh, I'm sure Oregon State, Colorado State, there'll be singled out games there. Uh, they'll attract some money. But yeah, I mean, the following week is when college football really gets going. There's more money bet on the hell Okay. Yeah, so we're going to get to that. The Alabama-Florida State, so we'll go ahead and ask you, what's that market looking like? I know, you know, Alabama's like seven point, six and a half point, kind of hovers around there. What's that market looking like? So, with this, that you know, that's such a marquee game being the first uh, game, the real big game of the year. Um, there's some books that put this line up way like in March, and they opened at South Point at like Alabama three and a half. And boy, everybody just bet on Alabama and hammered that line to where it is now seven. Uh, I believe it did get to seven and a half at one time. Now, when it got up to that number, however, eighty uh, percent of the action has been on Florida State. That's eighty percent of the bets and the overall money bet. So uh, that's, that game is running a lot two way handled. It'd be a fun one to watch for sure. Oh yeah. Um, so you said eighty percent was on when it got up to seven and a half. You know, seven and a half and seven, um, I'm not sure exactly what percentage came at what number. I know when it got up that high, uh, they did take some bets uh, around there. But uh, I talked to the guy just yesterday. and said, hey, what, what's the total percentage? Uh, and he didn't break it by individual line. He said 80% of the money, 80% of the tickets are on Florida State. Uh, that's at the Westgate, and they are one of the ones that opened at seven. So, okay. Um, you can see, you know, probably a lot of people bet Alabama at that three and a half and went over to the Westgate and bet it at Florida State and said, get that nice middle. Yeah, that'd be nice to have. So you got to you gotta take on that game? I have not yet. I'm sure I'll play it. Uh, you know, I'll put one of my $20, $50 wagers down these little small bets and uh, 
Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's tough for me to go against Alabama. There's a statement. Uh, it's some ridiculous amount. I want to see. Gosh, off the top of my head, I want to see the 11. I just wrote this. 11 and 1 against the spread in season openers at Alabama or something around that thing. Uh, but it's pretty, it's, let's see, 8-1 in ATS in season openers at Alabama Wow, uh, for Satan. So it's pretty hard to go against that. Yeah, that was one of those. I was, you know, talking with some friends the other day, and I said if it was any other week, that seven would be, you know, just one of the easiest gambles to take. But you know, like you said, first week against the spread, savings killer. So it's hard to go against them there. Um, so you could kind of talk a little bit about that. Uh, those two teams, obviously, very marquee teams, going to be in the spotlight all year. Who are some teams that that Vegas is kind of? Got some some money, liability on you'd say. Um, obviously, I'm sure Alabama's one uh, huge future bet. But who are some other teams that Vegas might be rooting against this upcoming season? You know, I'd start with Wisconsin. Um, that was a team that uh, opened as 40 to one early in uh, January, I believe. It got all the way up to 80 to one, no early action on. And people started looking at their schedule. Wisconsin played a very, very easy schedule. I believe they miss Penn State, they miss Ohio State. I believe they get Michigan at home, uh, so they could very easily uh, sneak into that Big Ten game, uh, face Ohio State, and have a one game chance to get into the playoff there. So I know that's one of the, the, that Vegas is worried about. They're, they're down to twenty to one, twenty five to one. Oh wow! Um, yeah, the most bet for uh, most bet team in terms of money is Alabama, pretty much every book um, that I spoke to last week. Um, USC is getting a lot of money. Ohio State is getting a lot of money. Florida State is getting a lot of money. Michigan's in the mix as well. So uh, those five teams I've heard uh, you know, over and over and over, Alabama, USC, Florida State, and then Michigan is kind of the wild card, but always generate a lot of action in right. Vegas during the off season. I guess you got a lot of Midwestern guys who wanted to get out of the weather and get down there to Vegas. I gotcha. So do you have any teams that you are kind of, when you saw the futures list, kind of stuck out to you that might be a some value play? You know, I, I want to preface this. I'm going to say, you know, that I bet small. I'm not good at a good gambler. I just write about gambling. I find it interesting. So uh, by that, I wouldn't want anybody to take my pick and go for it. Wisconsin is the one that's been a lot of, a lot of move. That said, um, some of that money was from respected people that got it at that very high price. Uh, so they'd be able to confident at 20 to 1. You know, a lot of people kind of like Oklahoma State around there, figuring they'll get a chance. Uh, I think they get Oklahoma at home, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so uh, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, some of the teams that maybe that second tier teams that uh, people have that are attracted to at this point. I got you. So who are some teams that maybe early on in the season Vegas has? You know, I know. You know, Ohio State, Thursday night game, I'm sure they'll be a huge public favorite. Um, Oklahoma State, I think, also plays that night. Are those, you know, kind of typical things, favorites, getting heavy money action early in the year? Yeah, you, you, you'll see a lot of money on Ohio State. I'm sure, you know, Kevin Wilson, their offensive coordinator, was the coach at Indiana uh, just last year before parting ways in a less than, uh, you know, friendly manner, from what I understand. So maybe he tries to run it up on Indiana. I think they're minus 20, uh, 20 and a half Ohio State is there on the road. Um, so that, that, they'll always get a lot of money. In fact, uh, Ohio State, I, I, I did a search on this website. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sports Insights. They have 
uh, a database that has, you know, you can look and see which teams attracted the most money in the most games, most money bet is what I'm saying. So uh, which teams always generate the most action? And I looked at it, it's been Ohio State over about the last five years. Uh, they've had 50 games where they have attracted 55% of the money or greater wow. that's bet on the game. So they're always attracting a little bit. I thought that was kind of an interesting stat. I hope it's not too confusing for people. No, not at all. I mean, what's their, how they do against the spread in that kind of turnaround? You know, it was right in like 21 and 21. It really hasn't been that great. I mean, Urban Meyer is one of my square person betting rules, but I don't bet against Urban Meyer. And he has been, you know, absolutely the uh, best winning percentage against the spread of any coach at this time that's had any kind of longevity. Uh, but recently, in the last couple of years, I think, you know, they're very close to 500 against the spread. So uh, that hasn't always worked for me. Okay. I got you. So that's kind of a little look at the college football season early on, some teams, um, some futures down the line. Like you said, we've got a few games this weekend, but it'll really get going next week. But the main attraction this weekend, you know, we hit on a little bit, is the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Talk to us a little bit about that. I saw today it's kind of, you know, a little bit more money is coming in on Mayweather. From what I'm seeing, everything's on McGregor. Oh, I mean, I think MGM's 90%, 96% of all bets – uh, are on McGregor at this time. For every one bet on Floyd at CD Technology, there's 11 on McGregor. Well, all the bets are on him. All the big money that was on Mayweather. The average size bet, I just got this from an Osmaker, a bookmaker at uh, CD Technology. One of the They run the Venetian in those places. But the average size bet for them right now, it's like 160 bucks on McGregor. For Floyd, it's like fifty nine hundred. So you can oh. see what's what's going on here. Uh, the money on McGregor though has been just mind boggling to people. There's been some decent sized bets on him, like fifty thousand. Uh, I think there was a seventy five thousand dollar bet. I know there's a sixty five thousand dollar bet. Uh, to me, that you know, the, those aren't just novelty bets. I can understand the USC fans that just want to kind of get back Connor a little bit, maybe put fifty, a hundred bucks, whatever. But to bet that kind of money, you got to think you're going to win it, right? right. Absolutely. Hard for me to fact. Yeah, that's not, yeah, like you said, that's not your average $100 bet right there. Um, so, no. do you think the market's bottomed out yet? Is it, I mean, because I'm, I'm one of those, no. I'm still waiting. I'm waiting to get, you know, I just don't see no. how McGregor could do it. And I'm waiting until I think the market's bottomed out on McGregor, or on Mayweather. Has it happened yet? Uh, you know, offshore, it's getting pretty close. It's getting down to $4 in some places. Uh, in in Ireland, uh, Paddy Power is a big uh, book, uh, sports book in Ireland. They were giving Floyd away at 3 to 10, you know, minus 3, 333, basically. That is ridiculous. That is just way, way low. I don't think it'll get down to that in Las Vegas. It's around $5, 550 right now uh, at most places. But, you know, 80% of the action is going to be placed on Friday and Saturday, the two days leading up. So you're going to get all these people from Ireland flying in to Las Vegas and just pounding the books. So I, I agree with you. If you're in Las Vegas and you're wanting to bet uh, Mayweather, I would hang tight until Saturday. I think if you got better than lower than 450, 450 or lower, I think you're probably getting one of the better prices around. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of. I didn't know if it would be like right now, the sharp betters would start to come in, or kind of more leading up mm-hmm. to the fight Saturday. So, I think uh, MGM took five hundred thousand dollar bet on Floyd today. That's the second largest one that I've 
heard reported at this point. There was a an $880,000 bet by the Maloof brothers uh, also on Floyd. Those yeah. are the two biggest bets that I've heard on the site yet. So some of the big money is starting to show up. I think it's, you know, on Saturday, maybe like the last four or five hours, I think we really start seeing some, some large bets on Floyd. I bet we see some million-dollar bets. Yeah, I saw some rumors that Floyd was going to throw five out on himself. Is that going to happen? You know, um, I did a story about Floyd betting this week. Um, from people that are familiar with his betting uh, acumen, we'll call it. You know, first of all, he's a very big better. He bets five, six uh, figure bets, occasional million dollar bets. He bets NBA, he bets NFL, uh, college football, and college basketball. Uh, he plays that sportsbook CG technology. But some people that are familiar with you know his betting history and stuff said he's never bet on himself before. He's superstitious. He's told some people that you know he just he doesn't want to do that. Now some of his buddies ha- have placed money on him for sure. Probably a girlfriend here or there. So whether he gets a little cut out of that, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you know there was rumors like yesterday that he was thinking about betting five million to win a million. If you're getting ready to make two hundred and twenty million dollars. Or do you really want to bet five million to win a million? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Don't really see the payoff there. Um, all right. So there's that. That's that's obviously what we're looking forward to this weekend. You uh, you gonna play any action on it? No, I'm I'm, a, I'm not gonna be there. Um, I'm here outside of I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I gotta cover it and write a story, basically drastically over uh, right after it's over. So you know. So you got to bet so much on Floyd, you know, if I was to bet $500 and he was to somehow lose, I would just be, you know, be, really frustrated and uh, that would probably impact me writing stories. So I'm going to hold off not betting on it at this time, but I will watch it. Yeah, sometimes. probably a smart play if you got got a story on the line. <laughs> All right, yeah, before, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. before we let you go, let's get to some, um, just a, a couple, couple quick NFL hitters. Um What's the market looking like shaping up this year? Obviously, I'm guessing the Patriots getting two times, three times more than anyone else. Would that be all right? Money-wise, uh, the Patriots are drawing the most. Um, the team that's getting the most bets is the Raiders. Uh, final bets on the Raiders. They opened as a high of 18-1, to 20-1, I believe. They got that down. I think they were like the third favorite or something ridiculous. Uh, in fact, I, I think it's MGM. They're down to like 6-1. to one. Only the Patriots have better odds. Wow. So the Raiders have been a very popular public bet team. Um, I also heard about a flurry of money coming on the New York Giants uh, this past weekend. So uh, Giants, Raiders, or maybe some teams that uh, uh, the public's kind of latching on to at this point. But, yeah, it, it's all Patriots that are overwhelming uh, favorites at this time. Yeah, I figured that would be the case after the offseason, right after winning a Super Bowl. All right, David, we appreciate you joining us. We really do. This is great. Enjoy, uh, appreciated the insight. Great stuff. Um, so thanks for joining us. Hopefully you can join us again sometime soon. Hey, you got it, man. Thanks for having me. Best of luck to everybody of the season. Absolutely. All right. Again, big thanks to David Purdom from ESPN Chalk for joining us. That was great, great stuff. Um, I hope you all found that as fascinating as I did because I know I love to hear that kind of stuff. But like I said, I promised you our college football preview. It's time to get to it. Um, last year, I hit over 60% of my games. Boomer had a good season. Betting some college football, too. I left you on quite the high note with the bowl games, and we're going to pick right up where we left off. You know, every year, if you've been listening to the podcast or you've been checking us out on Deep Fried Bets, we've improved on our college football picks. I mean, we know what we are. That's what we do best here. 
And that's why we're coming in with a college football preview, unlike anything you've ever heard or will hear. And let's just get down to it, boom. You know, start the season, everybody's out there. You know, you got your USC's back in the top five. Um, Ohio State, you know, everybody's got them two or three. Florida State, Alabama, week one, great games. Well, let's talk about some games, some teams that maybe aren't Florida State or Alabama or Ohio State. Who are some teams that maybe not enough folks are talking about in your eyes that you like early on in the year? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll pick up where I picked up at the beginning of last year. And uh, I don't know if you have them written down in front of you, but I think uh, my four teams to get to the college football playoff last year were Michigan, Florida State, LSU, and UCLA. Yep, that sounds about right. Don't tell us UCLA love is back for year three. <laughs> How'd all those picks end up turning out? Not Did he get you in the green or in the red? I think you went over. Yeah, well, I was uh, I was a year behind, and um, I had uh, I had a dream, I had an epiphany a couple of nights ago. It said, "Hey, you really effed up last uh, last year. You weren't even close. Why don't you go ahead and stick with those picks this year and let the tra- freight train roll into the money?" So I'm gonna go ahead and stick there. With the exception of LSU, of course. Right. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. Yeah, you can't you can't follow that. That's that's about the equivalent of uh insert your blind joke here into a water well and across the freight train tracks. So I'm gonna have to go with Alabama because uh I've uh, now seen the light after a year of uh Every week, you're talking about your playoff teams. I'm talking about give us a team you're early on that that maybe a lot of folks aren't talking about. Not an Alabama, not a playoff team team (laughs) that you're showing some love early on. Oh well, I've already talked about it. That'd be uh, UCLA with my boy Josh Brosen. Okay, Uh, learned scholar Josh Rosen, man, that guy. No, 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 not Josh Rosen, Josh Brosen. Josh Brosen. I don't think you get to be called Josh Brosen. If you're over here talking about the, uh, you know, the great advantages of higher academia, you know. No, nah, man. Last year, uh, last year was Baker Mayfield. Dude was just so damn hot. This year, got to go with my boy Broson. He he just does not care. He's gonna go out there and let it fly, ne- fly next uh, Brett Favre. No, yeah, I mean he's back. Uh, hey, May- Mayfield's back too, man. You're not gonna show him any more love. No, nah, no. Nah. Bob Stoops, whatever scandal that they're hiding right there that's going to come out about midway through this college football season, I can't ride with them because that's going to totally blow up the team after they start out yeah. six and a half. I was going to get to you on that. I mean, what the hell is going on? Like, you don't just retire at, what, like 54, whatever he was, um, going in a top five, top ten team. Like, what the hell is going on there? Well, I'm not a I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, and uh, I don't really like to drag people through the mud. But um, have you ever heard of a guy named Art Bryles? Heard of him? Yeah. Well, not a big fan. Well, I uh, I would say that more than likely they were part of the same uh, same group over there in the Southwest, and um, you know maybe maybe they're all in it together. I don't know. I, I don't want to make any conspiracy theories. I don't want to start anything up. But uh, you know. Dude was rolling, and, uh, yeah, he had to get out of there for some reason. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll did the same thing. It's weird. So did uh, so did Urban Meyer. I don't understand. It's weird how these guys just kind of vanish all of a sudden on a winning streak. Just happen to know what they're doing. Yeah, it is weird like that. Okay, so uh, back in UCLA again. Like it. 
Um, so I got some teams for you. If you've been reading my deep fried uh, college football previews, you, you've noticed some of these teams, and some of these teams will stick out to you. But just a couple to toss out at first. I think Florida's going to be good early on. Um, got some opportunity, especially week one against Michigan. Uh, I think that would be a good spot to back the Gators. Uh, South Carolina is a team that a lot of folks aren't talking about. Must change. Oh, I mean, man. I, I didn't realize you were still doing uh, Crystal Meth. That's, no. that's great. That's hey, great. Muschamp's your boy, man. I like Muschamp. I like what he's doing. I mean, I, I never thought he was going to work at a place like Florida, but I think he can succeed at a place like South Carolina. Uh, that Tell the football coach. Tell the football coach is going to be right there with Steve Spurrier. However, that Brantley kid's good, man. Uh, he's only like 18 now after a you know, true freshman year last year when he was like 17. So he should be good. They'll impress early on. Uh, North Carolina State, you know, I talked about them a little bit in my write-up. Dave Doran is coaching for his job. They've got talent. They almost beat Clemson last year. I watched the end of that game the other day. They should have beat Clemson last year if you can make a 33-yard field goal. Uh, they should be in the mix to surprise some teams. Uh, they'll be a good early spread backer. And Texas is another one. But I think my favorite probably is West Virginia. Not getting a lot of love. Uh, a lot of folks saying they're probably a little overrated to be in the top 25. They lost a lot of guys. But at the same time, you know, Hogerson can recruit. He's got those guys. You know, I think he keeps them in a pretty good position. They're about the only team, in my opinion, that plays real defense in the Big 12. Um, yeah, I mean, Hogerson's great. He's a great offensive coordinator, just like uh, Gus Malzahn, but both of them are terrible head coaches. I don't think so. I would say, I would say Greer coming in yeah, I mean, is uh, is definitely a positive I'll for those guys. And they'll do fine, but I, I, I don't see them getting past Texas in the conference, and there's no way in hell two teams from that conference are going to the playoff. No, I mean, I'm not saying that they're making the playoff or anything. I'm just saying – that's a team. Hey, stop getting people excited. Hey, back you're not talking about the playoff. You need to back up. Back them early. Make some money on them. Um, those are some teams I like. All right, so now we got to get some teams you, we don't like. If you're wanting, if you're wanting to talk to the people out there about some money, then take the over on the UTSA Roadrunners over six wins on this year because that's the team I'm backing. I'm buying them, buying them early and selling them, selling them high at the end of the year. Okay, so you're taking the Roadrunners uh, like that. That's a good pick. Um, well, let's talk about some teams we don't like. You know, Going into the year, obviously you're going to have a lot of teams overhyped in the top 25 AP poll. Um, I've got a couple. You got any that just kind of caught your eye that you're not a big fan of? You're going to be back or you're going to be fading early on? Yep, USC. I think that the hype machine is in play on these guys. Yep. Early on, I think uh, this Donaldson kid is going to be another bus. He's going to be another Kessler. You know, they have the talent there, but do they have the coach? No, they definitely don't. That's what, yeah. And I I just don't understand. What are they, seven right now? Uh, Is that what they started at? They're four. They're three or four. Yeah, stupid. Stupid. They're going to fall like a damn sack of bricks off a three-foot stairwell into a cop car and be taken to the San Quentin prison. Okay. That's uh, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, that was one of the things I had written down, too. Uh, last year, people forget this. Week four, people were already calling for Clay Helton's head. I mean, they were wanting to fire him four weeks into the year. You know, they got curb stomped against Alabama 52-6. to six. I know, oh, well, you know, Josh Darnold or Sam Darnold wasn't playing. Is he is he 46 points good? Um yeah, they they ended the season on a, a real high note last year. Played a lot of weak teams, in my opinion. I mean, they're good. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're terrible. They're not going to finish in the top 25. They'll finish in the top 25, might finish in the top 10. 
But that offensive line isn't great. Uh, lost some guys, and they weren't great to begin with. Um, you know, you don't lose a guy like Juju Sue Smisser and uh, Adonis. Yeah, and, you know, um, Adoree Jackson. Like, those are two first, third-round picks that they're going to miss and leaders of the football team. I, you know, I wrote it in my article, and I'll say it again here. They, they've got a tough schedule the first three weeks. Or not tough, but, you know, not easy. They got Stanford and Texas. Yeah, I don't remember who they play week one, some nobody. Uh, I don't think they get out of there undefeated, and I, I think they go 0-3 against the spread in those three games. So back – or fade USC early. Michigan, I think the hardball hype train is just way too high on that one. Um, fade them. Uh, oh, man, how can you even make a pick on Michigan right now? They are just such a loose cannon. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm fading them early because I don't trust them. Oh, I love it. I love, hey, I'm a gambler, though. Give me give me the cocky as hell coach with a bunch of dim boys out there running around. They're going to figure it out. Okay, so you like them. Uh, and then Louisville, another team I'm staying the hell away from. I'm in, oh, yeah. I'm in the camp that Lamar Jackson got figured out at the end of last year. They lost to Kentucky. Um, say what you will, but Lamar Jackson wasn't very good in that game. He was absolutely awful in the bowl game against LSU. Say what you will about bowl games, but you still got to show and play with some pride. Uh, I'm fading Lamar Jackson and the Cardinals early on. Um, you know, For sure. Lamar Jackson is the equivalent of Robert Griffin III in his second year in the NFL. I mean, we'll see. I don't know if he's going to be quite that bad, but – I mean, I think he's still talented enough in the college game to make some plays, and he'll have a good year, but he's not going to be back in New York for a Heisman, I can guarantee you that. Um, nah, he's, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. I don't know about that. Can't can't be doing that. You can't be breaking out the hurt train all, already, but, uh, you know, that's, that's <laughs> he's, your specialty. He's done, man. That's your specialty. Um, all right, so let's get, let's get them playoff teams. Who are they? Oh, you already heard them. Uh, UCLA, I made the pack – Pac-12 is going to be tough this year for sure, but I think that that's going to get them up in the ranks going through all these teams and overhyped USC. Washington is going to be tough, maybe a little overhyped. Oregon is a sleeper, though, out there. I think that those guys are going to make a push, maybe win the Pac-12 North. But ultimately, USC, UCLA makes it through. Then Michigan, I'm a hardball guy. I've I just think he figures it out. He's got Urban Meyer's number. Urban Meyer might drop on the sideline during the uh, during the game has he ever this beat year. Urban Meyer? Because I don't think he has. Has he ever beat Urban Meyer? Yeah. Well, he's due for a win, so this okay. year's going to be it. There you go. Then, he's got his number, then but he's I, due for one. I'm doing that. He's got his numbers. Numbers one. One game, one championship possibly this year. Then coming down – uh, I think they're going to be down this year. I think Clemson is overhyped, just like Auburn was the year after. Yeah, that's not where it works. They have no playmakers on offense. So I state to go ahead and run through that conference. You're and then, uh, now, man. You're cutting usually I like to get tricky every year in that. No, oh, for sometimes or LSU sometimes. Hey, we're, maybe giving, we're, giving, sometimes. we're giving you a pause, Boomer. You're cutting in and out. We're gonna have to cut back to this. All right, so All right, we're, Boomer, we're, you were we're cut, you were cutting in and out there, um, but we got you back. Sounds like a little more sturdy connection this time. I think you were in the middle of talking shit about Clemson and telling us that Florida State was your ACC pick. 
Yep, and that's as sturdy as my connection is now. I'm going with Florida State. I think oh. they have no uh, no problems whatsoever running through the ACC. SEC, last year I went with Tennessee, and then week two after they lost, I went with LSU, and then week four after LSU lost, I went with Auburn. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, take Alabama, and hopefully they lose week one, and I can pick somebody else week two. Yeah. I mean, they might. They it's do. probably a safer pick. Probably a safer pick picking Alabama to lose week one, honestly. Okay. Then, okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, Beaver's giving you UCLA, Michigan, Florida State, and Alabama. Um, I'll be honest. We got a few, a few uh, carryover teams there. Obviously, Alabama. I mean, can't go against them. This is my fourth year doing this. This is the fourth year of the playoff. I think this is the fourth year Alabama gets in. Uh, yeah, they lost some guys on defense, but the offense pretty much returns intact. Um, Jalen's had a pretty good offseason from everything I've heard. Uh, Tua's going to be pushing him. Not that Tua will play, but, you know, I think it will help the competition. will be better for him. So, you know, look for Alabama to get back. Uh, I got Florida State, too. Um, I don't know who wins that game week one, but I think they meet again at some point in the season. So, I'm, I'm putting Florida State in there as well. Next up, uh, switch it up a little bit. I went out west, Pac-12, and took the Washington Huskies. Uh, I think they get back. I think people are kind of sleeping on them. Last year, you know, everybody was kind of overhyped on them or hyped up on them to begin the year. They turned out to be pretty good. Uh, they don't lose a lot at all. Um, and, you know, Jake Browning's back. Peterson's a hell of a coach. Don't think they'll do much if they get to the playoffs, and they'll probably drop a game midseason to someone or somewhere like they did last year against USC, but I still think they make it in. Um, got a good schedule, good enough schedule to get back. And finally, might surprise some people, but I'm going a little bit out on a limb here. Big Ten, you're out. You're not making a playoff this year. Sad, sad day. Big 12, you're making your triumphant return. And I'm taking Oklahoma State to make the playoff in 2017. Mike Gundy's a man. He's 50 now. That that rant is 10 years old. Uh, Mason Rudolph is going to be a hell of a guy. James Washington out there catching balls. That's going to be the nation's best offense. If they can do anything on defense to stop some folks, maybe drop one game in the regular season, win the Big 12, I, I think Oklahoma State gets in the playoff. So I've got out well, of I just I just want to thank you real quick for, for going out on a limb on those picks. I mean, taking Alabama for the fifth straight year, I, you know, um, you're really being a miracle worker for these listeners right now. I mean, you're you're doing the Lord's work I'm by taking sure, Alabama for that. Pretty sure I'm undefeated uh, in picking Alabama to make the playoff. Yeah, no, no. I, I, it's just I, I just don't know where you find the balls to make a pick like that. That is just incredible. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, who's your champ? Oh man, how do I pick just one? Well, I'm gonna pick one. I'm picking the Michigan Wolverines. Right, did you do it last year too? <laughs> oh yeah, because I'm trying to get where the money is. I'm trying to get some of that value. I'm dusting it off. It's time for them to win. What is the value there? He's shocking the world. Uh, last time I checked, uh, Michigan was, I believe, plus. 800 plus 1,100, something like that? I mean, you realize, no, that, in front of me. you realize that they replace 10 of 11 starters on that defense. Including, including uh, 
Oh, uh, old Inc- Peppers. Including the most overrated player to ever play college football, Jabril Peppers. Yeah, he's not going to be hogging the ball now every game. I mean, I think that actually might be an improvement where they don't have to try to fit him into the game plan every single second. But, uh, yeah, Michigan's plus 1,600, actually. So that's pretty damn good value if you want it. Um, I'm, I'm staying chalk. I'm doing you the same pick I do every year. Call, I mean, it's probably homerism. I, I mean, I can't help myself. Uh, give me Alabama plus 240. Um, if you want some value, I'll give you Oklahoma State plus 3,300. If they get in, that offense can work some magic. I mean, that might be worth taking a flyer on, throw 100 bucks on a win 3,300. Uh, it's hard to beat that. But, yeah, Alabama plus 240 is the pick. Hard to go against the tide. Um, probably come back to regret it. But whatever, doing it again. All right. <laughs> so there. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great pick. It's a great pick. They'll probably, they'll probably do well this year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's – it's not a terrible pick. It's not gonna. They're not gonna go six and six. Is one thing I can guarantee. It's not gonna be like uh, UCLA last year going four and eight. They're not. Yeah. Gonna, well, uh, they had a couple of people get hurt. You know, they bought it off a couple of couple of right ways, and Texas A&M being better was better than we thought they were. Different times. Yeah. So all right, there's that. It happens. It happens. So like I said earlier, got a nice interview. Uh, Matt Brown. Matt Brown is the uh, college sports director, manager, I'm sorry, over at SB Nation. Does great work for them. Uh, great book out, What If, A Closer Look at College Football is a great question. We're going to get to that here in a second with him. But uh, let's get to Matt and see what he's got to say about the upcoming season. All right, folks, we'd like to welcome Matt Brown to the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Matt is the college sports manager at SB Nation, um, great college football guy. You can uh, find him on Twitter at MattSBN. Also, Matt has a brand new book out called What If? A Closer Look at College Football's Greatest Question or Great Questions. Um, so we'll get to that with him in a little bit, talk some college football about the uh, upcoming football season. Really excited for this. Matt, how you doing this evening? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on tonight. Absolutely. So, like I said, uh, we're going to get into the college football season a little bit. Um, Actually starts Saturday. Got four games on Saturday. Are you excited for the uh, the game Saturday? Are you kind of holding up your high <laughs> for next weekend? Listen, listen. When you get to this point in the season, if you put on some like NAIA, you know, non scholarship game here, like the you know, basically glorified high school football, I'm gonna watch it. I, I'm, I'm I'm jonesing for it badly enough. Like, typically. Yeah, like one kind of good game, and like that kind of weak zero. This year, I don't think we really have any of those. No. But if you, if you, I'm going to watch Oregon State, <laughs> Colorado State, and I'm probably going to watch, you know, stay up late and watch Rice get destroyed in Australia, just because it's football, not because it's particularly aesthetically pleasing football. No, I'm with you. There's football on TV, which means uh, that we're back, and <laughs> only a few days away from. College football, the the actual season starting, but you know, like we said, the real things get rolling next Thursday night. Uh, Ohio State, Indiana is kind of the main kickoff game there. What are you? What's the storyline that you're most forward uh, or most looking forward to here in the coming season? Well, you know, actually, I think the Ohio State Indiana game is going to be really interesting on a number of levels because I, I feel like this is a year where. Um, Really seeing what's to find Indiana football get turned on its head a little bit. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this is the biggest home game, uh, maybe in Indiana football history. College game day is going to, going to be there. You, you get to see a reunion of sorts with former Indiana head coach Kevin Wilson, now Ohio State offensive coordinator. The Hoosiers have 
but maybe the best defensive player in the Big Ten, which is a, a really kind of a rare thing to see. They're rebranding themselves as a more defense-oriented team. And we'll get a chance to see what Ohio State's new up-tempo offense looks like. That, that's really the, the big question about whether the Buckeyes are a potential playoff contender this year. Certainly the depth of talent is there, but we saw that there were some, some severe limitations in their passing game, particularly their ability to pass protect and get separation enough to uh, throw the ball down the field. And uh, clearly Campbell Wilson's teams did that much better, especially in utilizing tempo to get those mismatches. I think we're going to have a fun look at that very beginning to see how much progress Ohio State's made. If they're able to do that and, and run up a reasonably big margin, against what should be a bold caliber Indiana team, that's going to tell us a little bit more about you know how seriously we should take Ohio State as a playoff contender rather than just another very good Big Ten team. Right. So, yeah, I saw I think the spread's hovering around 21, 20 and a half, somewhere in there. What's, uh, what's your gut feeling on that? My gut feeling on that is I'd probably take Indiana to cover. Seeing as the, the game's at home, it's going to be a very emotionally charged atmosphere. And uh, Indiana has... Other than Michigan State, who has actually beaten Ohio State here a couple of times, Indiana has played Urban Meyer tougher than almost any other Big Ten team, even though the talent disparity and the depth between those two programs is enormous. Indiana's going to be keyed up there. The Buckeyes are going to be counting on some, uh, some underclassmen, potentially some true freshmen and skill position players. I think that'll be enough for Indiana to keep it to within 17 points or so. Okay. So, you know, you used to write for um... – Land Grant, which is the, um, the SB Nation Ohio State blog. So we got to ask you a little bit. How's you know what's the word coming out of Buckeyes camp? Not much noise, which could be a dangerous thing. I I think if you're an Ohio State fan, you have to feel pretty confident that this is a team that should be able to compete for not only a conference title but potentially goals a little bit larger than that because you're returning almost everybody from a playoff team last season. The, the bulk of Ohio State's offensive line is returning. Uh, Ohio State's bringing back Mike Weber, uh, one of the, I think one of the only three freshmen ever to rush for a thousand yards at Ohio State. He's coming back, JT Barrett's coming back for what seems like his 13th yep. season uh, at Ohio State. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for him. I'm glad he's getting his doctorate. You know, that's, it's, it's great to get that, get that kind of education. And pound for pound, the Buckeyes probably have the best defensive line in the country. So the two question marks are, can they reload? and rebuild a secondary that has lost everybody to the NFL draft now for the second year in a row. Um, they're bringing Kendall Sheffield, the former Alabama uh, commander, who is the number one Juco player in the country, I believe. He's probably going to man one of those spots. It's reasonable to expect that's going to be a very good unit. They, they signed the top defensive back recruiting class in the country last year. So that's going to be a question mark. And then can you improve that downfield passing game? Um, because the Buckeyes have, you know, have a bevy of four- and five-star options at wide receiver and to bulk up the interior of their offensive line. It's just a question now whether they start to actually turn that into production now with a new offensive coaching staff. Okay. All right, so let's, let's stick to the, uh, the Big Ten a little bit here with Harbaugh this year. Is this year three or four for Harbaugh? This is year three. Three, that's what I thought. All right, so he's kind of he's got his own guys in there now. For the most part, what, what do you see the season outlook for Michigan being like? You know, this is going to be another very good team for Michigan. I think it's going to consistently be a very good team for Michigan because uh, they have one of the nation's best defensive coordinators in Don Brown. He was a guy that was able to turn Boston College and a bunch of two-star kids that were athletically limited 
into one of the uh, most efficient attacking defenses in the country. Now we can bring him over to Michigan, where we have the guy, you know, guys like Rashawn Gary, who's a former number one recruit in the entire country along the defensive line and speed everywhere. So that it's going to be a very fundamentally solid, very aggressive unit on defense. My concern for Michigan this year is that they're they're replacing almost everybody. Yeah. Um, a huge swath of their defense from last year, from Peppers to a lot of their linebackers to the, the, the non Rashawn Terry defensive line are all gone. Jake Butt is gone. Uh, the, the bulk of, of Michigan's wide receivers are gone. And they're retreating Wilton State, a quarterback who I think was productive, but is much more limited, I think, as a quarterback. Michigan's done, if you look at the guys in the depth chart behind them in terms of their arm strength and I think potential as quarterbacks. Exceeds fate. I wouldn't be shocked if he's not the quarterback at the end of the season. So, you know, at the end of the day, the Wolverines, I think, are certainly going to be a nine-win at least team. They're, they're, they're going to be talented enough to beat many very good teams. But the experience isn't there, and I think that their uh, ceiling on offense is a little bit lower this season. Wouldn't be shocked if Wisconsin or Florida, not to mention Ohio State, right. you know, some of the teams that they face in a difficult Florida game week one will be a really great test kind of see where they are as a team how much how they were able to replace some of those guys on defense so talk a little bit about Michigan Ohio State let's get to you know just kind of more general teams in college football landscape who are some teams that you're looking at early on that may not be getting enough love in your eyes they have to be getting enough love so one team that's kind of on the periphery of a lot of preseason top 25 that I think could really surprise people and win a lot of games this year is Northwestern. Which seems like kind of a funny thing to say. Northwestern is not a team that recruits extremely well. They're not playing a ton of really high-profile games this year. Part of this is because they play in the Big Ten West, where you don't have built-in games with Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State every single season. They have a relatively soft non-conference schedule, but they have some really great offensive skill position talent. Justin Jackson is one of the best running backs, not just in the Midwest, but maybe nationally, that people haven't heard of. Uh, they returned almost everybody on offense last year except for Austin Carr, their, their do-everything wide receiver who was smoking a bunch of first-round you know, caliber talent. Last season, they have a great quarterback who I think has some room to grow. And under Pat Fitzgerald, they've always been able to uh, I have very, very fundamentally strong tackles that are able to tackle very well in space at linebacker. They've got some questions along the offensive line, but that's a team that can win 10 games, even if they're not necessarily 10-win um, talented. I, I think I'm also talking myself into Louisville. And, you know, that's a team that's returning to dang Heisman Trophy winner and almost certainly isn't going to drop as many passes as they did last season. Um, that's not getting a whole lot of preseason love right now. They're in a really competitive division, and they've got some question marks still along the offensive line. But they're going to score a gajillion points, right. and that's going to make them a very tough out to beat. Yep, I was, you know, we'll see early on if if folks have figured out Lamar at all, or if he will be back to uh, his Heisman winning form. I think that'll be an interesting storyline too. So let's let's move down south a little bit. You know, we're based in Alabama, so we gotta gotta get some SEC talk in there. Uh, Alabama, I think, is everyone's consensus favorite in the SEC, and you know everybody's number one team. Who outside of Alabama is the biggest threat to take down or take home the SEC crown this year? Man, it's funny. I feel like the gap between Alabama and the second or third best team in the SEC is especially strong this year. 
Um, and the teams that have been able to give Alabama some trouble typically are teams that have, in my view, have been able to really attack their secondary by being able to have a strong downfield passing game or by having quarterbacks who can melt tempo and um, pocket mobility very well. You know, that's one, of the, that's one of the reasons why Ole Miss, despite not being nearly as good as Alabama, has been able to give them trouble because that was something that they had the wide receivers to do and they had the quarterback play to do. And in the last season, nobody in the SEC was able to do that. And while I think quarterback play in that conference is going to improve, I'm not sure there's, another, there's too many other teams that really fit that profile. And all the other teams that I think are reasonably strong, Auburn should be, uh, I think, a pretty good team this year. There's some reasons to like Georgia. There's some reasons to like LSU. All of them have really big question marks, whether that's the offensive line play calling human for Georgia, uh, whether that is the quarterback situation and offensive explosiveness and right now <laughs> player health at LSU right. or the defensive depth right now at Auburn. I think Auburn has the best quarterback. Um, I, it, it's going to be fun to see what Jared Stidham's able to do in a Gus Malzahn offense. You know, he had a ton of potential, I think, you know, playing the Baylor system. There's some really good wide receivers that just weren't getting the ball, I think, at Auburn. But, you know, if, if we line up the you know, top 20, the 11 aside, Auburn and Alabama, there's a really big edge for, for Alabama. So I would, be, I would be very, very surprised if somebody other than the Crimson Tide won the SEC. Okay. All right. So we're going to have to put you on the spot just a little bit. Have you, uh, have you picked a champion yet? Who you got coming out this year? Man, you know, it's, it's so boring to pick, any, to pick Alabama, right? Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm based in D.C., I'm a Big Ten guy, and, you know, people you, you yell at you for that. That's the most talented team again, especially if they're able to, to continue some wrinkles in their offense now that they're replacing Lane Kiffin, which sounds like a funny thing to say, but, like, I don't think that's a small thing. No. <laughs> well, you know, Lane Kiffin, uh, all uh, concerns aside maybe about his moral character right. or his maturity, or his fashion sense, like all we can critique all of those things. But I do think it's clear the man can uh, is a very good offensive coordinator, and so there's a question mark there. But I would pick Alabama. The number one threat to them, I think, pound for pound, is probably USC, um, who was a surprisingly not very explosive team offensively. I think Ronald Jones, their running back, is going to have an absolutely monster year. I love Porter Gustin. Uh, as a defensive playmaker, obviously Sam Darnold is, is electrifying and, and can be mobile enough, I think, to give Alabama some trouble. If USC has a strong enough offensive line, uh, which is a little bit of a question mark, they might be the team that I think could give Alabama the biggest run for that money. Okay. I like it. So that's something to look forward to there. All right, so we talked about some what-ifs this year. Let's, let's go back and talk about some what-ifs of the past in college football. Uh, your book is out. Can Amazon, where else can we find it? Sure, you can. You, there's a, you can get the what on Kindle. It's a, I think it's going for six dollars right now. As it was on sale a little bit a while ago, it is available at independent bookstores across the country. Amazon is probably the easiest place to get it. Okay. Uh, this takes a look at some of the great uh, what if questions throughout all of college football history. A couple of these you mentioned Alabama specifically. The two of them would be what what had happened if UAB uh, had managed to actually hire Jimbo Fisher back in 2007. That was the coach that they wanted. Uh, Regents out of the University of Alabama blocked that decision on financial grounds under <laughs> with dubious merit. 
at the last minute. Fisher, of course, then goes to, to Florida State and eventually wins the national title. UAB hires, uh, I think this was Neil Callaway and Sucks for the next couple of years, eventually gets temporarily disbanded. That's a decision that impacts not just UAB and Florida State, it impacts uh, Alabama, it impacts uh, a couple of other programs in the SEC, and obviously all throughout conference USA. There's also a chapter about what might have happened had Bear Bryant uh, stuck around at Maryland, where he started his coaching career and ended up leaving after one successful season because he got in a fight with his athletic director and then decided to take a much worse job at Kentucky. What, 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 what might have that meant for the future of Alabama football, for Kentucky football, uh, and Oklahoma, interestingly enough, a program that was very tied in uh, to Maryland's coaching decisions here at, you know, in, the, in the late 40s or early 50s. So there's a bunch of things throughout the book. If you're a college football history nerd, if you want to read about some sales conference realignment proposals uh, or how some of these coaching decisions change the course of the history of the sport, I think it's something that you may be interested in. Yeah, no, it sounds absolutely fascinating. I mean, I love that kind of stuff, so I'll definitely be checking it out. Um, so, that's, again, it's called What If? A Closer Look at College Football's Great Questions. Uh, it's Matt Brown. Find that on Amazon, Kindle. Um, sounds great. Some some more college in-depth look back. Uh, not enough college football books out there, so we'll, we'll take everything we can get our hands on, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had a ton of fun researching this. I learned a lot. Um, and I think that, that just that anybody else that gets a chance to look at it will, will see the thing, especially I think if you're growing up in a place like Alabama or Louisiana. Like college football, that, that's a part of everything, right? Yeah, you know alive. about Bear Bryant. You know about, you, know, you know about all these old stories. But you might not know about college football history like the West Coast or some of the stuff that happened in the, in the Big Ten or maybe even some of the East Older. SEC programs that left, like, you know, Tulane, you know, whooping on Alabama's ass, like, in the 40s, because, like, they were the big program, and now they're a complete afterthought. So, I think I think there's something in here for everybody, uh, and I, I hope you folks enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just kind of out of curiosity, how long does it take to write a book like this? How much, I mean, how many months, years did you research this? <laughs> so, a couple of these of these chapters, I was able to write really quickly, because I've written about them for Nation a lot. Okay. Uh, I, I've written... A lot of stories about conference realignment for SBNation.com. Now, a big story the past couple of years, and so I had a bunch of preliminary research done on the Metro Conference in the early 1990s and some of the stuff with the Airplane Conference. The whole book took me about eight months to write the first draft. There's about two, 300 citations in it. I had to read a bunch of other books. Oh, yeah. But the one skill that I perfected, I think, as a, as a journalist is my ability to write relatively quickly. Um, so if I did another book, it would probably you know, it might end up taking a little bit longer if they were subjects that weren't quite as familiar for me. Okay, I got you. Well, that sounds great. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Again, it's Matt Brown from SB Nation. Um, you can check him out on Twitter at Matt SBN. Um, and check out his book. This really does sound fascinating. It's something you know. We got a week, an, about a week and a half until the real college football starts, or I guess a week really with the Thursday night game. So we got time to knock it out. It's called What If. A closer look at college football is a great question. Check it out um, and check Matt out on Twitter and SB Nation. Thanks again, Matt, for joining us. Yeah, it, it was my pleasure. And, folks, if you, if, if you would like to read a couple of previews uh, of, of some of those chapters, if you dig back on SBNation.com, we did a gigantic feature on the 2007 season. You just Google SB Nation 2007 season. Uh, this will pop up. We wrote 50 stories about all the banana things that happened that year, like Alabama losing to UL Monroe, <laughs> which launched 
they're they're amazing dynasty to LSU losing twice and winning the national title. There there are chapters here about UAB and a chapter about the 2007 WVU pit game. So if you want to flip through there and see if that's something that's up your speed, and then you can decide if you want to grab the book yourself. Thanks so much for having me on tonight. Yeah, thanks so much. I definitely spent several hours reading the uh, the 2007 recap because that was fascinating. So I'll uh, yeah I'll be sure to send out a link with this too. Okay, that's that sounds great. Thank you very much. All right, folks, we're back. Enjoy that interview with Matt. Y'all go check him out online. And check out that book, for real. I'm, I'm interested to read a copy of that. I'm going to get one here in the next couple of days and hopefully knock that out before football season starts. Um, well, we got some college football games, like I said, week zero. But let's talk about this fight a little bit, you know. Uh, we got the Mayweather-McGregor McGregor fight coming up this weekend. Who are y'all taking? You know, it's the biggest fight I've heard about in the last 20 years. And if you're looking to cash in your sports knowledge, mybookie.ag, I mean, they're offering up a 100% signing bonus on your first deposit. I mean, 100 bucks. You go put 250 bucks in, you're going to get 250 bucks back. That's pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, my book, you don't have to have a, a go-to Vegas for sport. You don't have to go to Vegas for sports betting. I mean, you can do it online. Uh, you don't have to sit at CD bars, find that guy that knows a guy. You know, my guy is mybookie.ag. It's online sports betting made easy. They accept your bets anywhere, anytime. You hop on your phone, do it. Uh, live in-game betting, bring the action anywhere you go. I mean, you can't beat that. Who doesn't love some in-game betting? You know, get that fixed. I mean, you know, trust me when I say they're the best. I would never use any other sports book because, I mean, they're just too good. And, you know, you bet the fight, you bet any game, college or pro, mybookie.ag. I mean, they make it easy to sign up, even easier to play. Uh, has some of the fastest payout times in the business. 48-hour processing, that's what I love. Uh, for right now, for right now though, I mean, listen up. For our listeners, Deep Fried Bets Podcast, head over to myboogie.ag. Use the promo code DEEPFRIED, that's DEEPFRIED, all caps, and they're going to give you a 100% bonus on your first deposit. You throw 500 bucks in there, they're giving you 500 extra to gamble with. I mean, they're doubling your deposit. It's stupid not to. Expert or rookie, you've got to check it out, myboogie.ag. Uh, get some money in on that fight. We'll get to that here in a minute. But, you know, I told you, Boomer, we got some week zero college football games. I don't care what everybody else is calling it. That's what the official title is now. Uh, last year it was Cal and Hawaii, and they played in Australia. Well, apparently it was such a smashing hit down under that we're going back for year two. Uh, Stanford and Rice are playing out there. But the first game, think about this, though. Let's, let's talk about how weird college football is for this. Uh, the NFL – Everybody knows that first game is going to be Thursday night. It's got the defending champion, and they're playing a home game, usually against somebody pretty damn good. It's an exciting matchup. You know, this year I think it's Kansas City and New England. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, Kansas City, New England. Can you pretty matchup. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a great matchup. Thursday night. But you know what college football gives us? The first the- official game is Oregon State at Colorado State. Uh, Mike Bobo. Uh, Gary, no, Gary Anderson's gone. Who is the Oregon State coach right now? That's bad. Uh, it is. Uh, it is an absolute no name. Yeah, um, he's I mean, probably going to be coaching Nebraska in two years. I mean, I think their old coach is coaching Nebraska, and he's about to get fired. Yeah, well, you know, it's a vicious circle of life. It's Gary Anderson. I got it right. Uh, I think that dude came from Utah State or maybe Wisconsin. Yeah, he went. Yeah, he's the one that just up and left Wisconsin to go to Oregon State. Weird. Uh, Oregon State's not any good. They play Colorado State. Probably not very good either. Uh, actually, they could be. But uh, Colorado State, Oregon State, <clears throat> the ceremonious 
kickoff to college football that no one's talking about. Uh, weird, but anyways, Boomer, who you got that week? Uh, week zero matchup, Colorado State, four-point home favor. Yeah, I mean, you know, basically I'm moving on this one. As most of the people listening know, I don't bet on who I think is going to win. I bet on where I think there's going to be a little bit of value, and I think I'm going to get value with Colorado State. They have a hell of a lot more potential to shock the bookmakers starting out the season, which that always happens the first three weeks of the year, so go ahead and get the bets in early. You can catch them on the back of their feet. So take Colorado State. Do I know any of the players? Not really. Do I follow Colorado State? Hell no, I don't follow Colorado State. But I do follow lines, and I do follow where the action's coming in, and I believe that they're probably going to be a a big favorite for the Bucks in the first couple of weeks. Yep, uh, your head's in the right place on this. Colorado State is the right pick. Minus four at home against uh, Oregon State. Not going to be very good. Um, just don't have enough talent up there in Corvallis, Oregon. Or Colorado State's good. Always tip back Mike Bobo if you can when spreads are involved. Uh, Colorado State played in a bowl game last year, and they've got 15 of their 22 starters coming back. Um, I don't know how good or bad those starters are, um, but, you know, you get 15 out of 22 coming back on a team that played in a bowl. Pretty sure Oregon State didn't play in a bowl last year. Give me the home team uh, to win by at least a touchdown. Next up, uh, we're going Hawaii and UMass. So that's right. The first two chronological order college football games of the season, Oregon State at Colorado State, Hawaii at UMass. UMass, two-point home favorite. Against the Rainbow Warriors, uh, Boomer, who are you backing? Oh, my gosh. I absolutely love UMass. This is my favorite game of the weekend. This line started out whenever they first put the lines up at Hawaii minus three, traveling across the damn world to go to Massachusetts and play a bunch of no-names. It has since, over the past 48 hours, swung over to UMass minus two. Why do you think that is? It's because... The people that make money for a living in Las Vegas are betting on UMass right now. The people that don't make money for a living are betting on Hawaii for some unknown reason. I am all about UMass in this game. Let me tell you about the unknown reason. It actually should be a well-known reason. His name is Nick Rolovich, uh, head coach of Hawaii. Last year, he took that team to a bowl after they went like 2-10 the year before. Uh, hell of a turnaround. He got the Rainbow Warriors up, ready to play. Um, I'm thinking of why in this game. UMass is terrible, terrible, terrible football team. Don't really understand why they're favorite. You, you mentioned the whole cross-country thing. Yeah, that might work if this is week two or week three. This is week one. They've probably been there since Monday. Uh, they can fly out, get their internal body you know, checked. I don't even know the classes have started. I don't think they take classes. Hawaii, they just surf the whole damn time. Uh, that is a class, surfing 101. Um, but, yeah, no, you, I'm UMass has a new stadium that is not two hours away from campus. Their fans are going to be so damn jacked up. They're about to be the Harvard of the two-block radius where Harvard is. No, no, it's UMass. Their fans aren't going to be jacked up because nobody gives a shit. Uh, come on, dude. Name they, one. They care about this game. This is, this is the biggest game of the year for them. No, it's not. It's Hawaii. Don't I know. They, what what better way to start the season than Hawaii, with Hawaii? Hawaii gets beat like a redhead stepchild every year. Hawaii. What makes this different? Um, because Hawaii wins. That's what the difference is. Uh, give me Hawaii in this one. Um, next up, we got South Florida 
That's right, folks. Charlie Strong making his debut, but he's not making it at home. He's having to go out to California. He's playing San Jose State. Uh, the Spartans, 22-point home underdog in this one. Boomer, you back in Charlie Strong? You back in the home dog? Man, this one is just so tough because I've been on San Jose State so many times last year and lost almost every single time. They do not cover the spread no matter what it is at home or away. They are the worst team to pull for, and all of their damn games are chase games at the end of a Saturday where you've already made all the money and you try to throw it on top of that. So I'll take Charlie Strong. I mean, if anything, he's going to have a bunch of – Big SOBs out there on the field hitting people in the gut. So, who knows? A couple people probably get hurt out there. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking South Florida. I think that uh, I think they're going to try to make this a statement game. Okay. So, here's my deal on South Florida. I absolutely love South Florida. I'm just not in this spot. Uh, I think South Florida has a legit chance to run the table, go 13-0 through a conference championship game. I don't think that'll be good enough to get in the playoff game, but Charlie Strong. I mean, I think he's a good coach. I think Texas was a little too much for him. That you, you got to be a special kind of person to be able to coach at Texas. Strong is not that guy. He's not the rah rah cheerleader guy. He's not going to go out raising money. Um, it just wasn't a good fit for him, personally, in my opinion. Um, but South Florida might be a perfect place for him to just go hang out, live in Tampa, win a bunch of football games, and then two or three years go back to like you know a decent program. Once the the stench is worn off, but uh, San Jose State, 22-point home dog, and like 82% of the public right now is on South Florida in this one. So I'm giving you my first public play of the year. Uh, fade the public. Um, Hawaii, or no, I'm sorry, South Florida, Quinn Flowers. Hey, you're all about Hawaii. I guess I guess Hawaii was the right pick. No, uh, they are. They are. Uh, Quinn Flowers. Hell of a quarterback, but they might win by 21. They're not going to win by 22, so give me the Spartans plus the money to fade the public in this one. And finally, the big matchup of the weekend, if you can call it that. Not really. Uh, down under, Stanford versus Rice. This game kicks off at about 9 p.m. The Mayweather-McGregor fight will be a little bit after that. But um, Rice is a 30-and-a-half-point dog. Uh, Stanford... Should be pretty good this year. I think they'll uh, contend in the Pac-12. I don't know about this one. I'm I'm, I'm back in Rice this week. As uh, David Purdom said earlier in the interview, you know, a lot of sharp money started coming in on Rice this week, earlier in the week. Uh, moved that line a little bit. Look, I'm not going to pretend to know enough about Rice before the season starts to give you some accurate breakdown of why I think they're going to win this game. Or win this game, sorry. Continue or keep it within the number of 31. <laughs> if you're throwing out they're going to win this game, what can you get that at? Plus 33,000, something 30, like that? Um, but no, they're not going to win, obviously. They'll keep it within the number, though, in my opinion. Taking a flyer here. Give me the Rice Owls. Plus 30 and a half. Might buy the half point just to be safe on that 31. Uh, Boomer, you got yeah, I don't. This one is uh, is kind of tricky because the line movement on it, it, you know, it started out at thirty three, Stanford minus thirty three, that maybe even thirty three and a half, and over the past several days, it's gone down to thirty and a half. Um, what I was showing was about sixty five percent of the public is on rice for some reason. Now there are one hundred and twenty four. College football division one teams, is that right? I think we're up to like 129 or 130. 
130. I would I would say that uh, Rice is probably going to finish at around 128. Wait, didn't somewhere Rice in that range. Bowl last year? Or am I dreaming that? Did Rice make a bowl? I mean, Rice always makes a bowl. If you know what I mean. No, that that didn't land with you. Rice, Rice, Rice make a bowl? No, Rice always makes a bowl. Look, remember, it's a it's a play on Asian cuisine, you know. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. That's great. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a little bit of humor right there, I guess. Kind of they did not make a bowl. They went three and nine. They did play Stanford the last year, a week of the season, only lost by twenty four at Stanford. This is technically a home game for them. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, you know, that, that really wants to leave you with a bunch of confidence in taking Rice. But uh, I think you got to take Stanford. The only thing that's going to be a deterrent on this is David Shaw probably has a conscience, and he does not want to beat the ever-living hell out of a poor no-name team from Texas. So it's going to be close. It depends on if he wants to score that last touchdown to put him up by 37. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go Stanford. I think they're real deal this year. Back in the corner. I like them, too. Um, all right. So, Stanford there. All right. Let's get to it. Uh, I know that we're probably not as hyped up about this fight as a lot of folks are because, you know, we're, we have a brain. Uh, we know how this industry works. But we got Mayweather versus McGregor. Um, every guy that's stuck in your hometown from your high school – is going to be betting on Conor McGregor this weekend. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but Mayweather versus McGregor. Mayweather, the last I saw, uh, minus 450. You can get him at minus 450, which to me is just absurd. What, he started at like minus 2,000? Yeah, no, the uh, the line that I read before the bookmakers actually put out was going to be Mayweather minus 2,400. Yeah, so he's down to minus 450, uh, just absolute absurdity. Conor McGregor's plus 325, plus 350. Vegas, as Purdom said earlier, I mean, like 96% of the bets are on McGregor. I saw a, a, a note today that Vegas is set to lose like $40 million if Conor McGregor somehow pulls this off. I mean, look, Floyd Mayweather is a professional boxer. That's what he does with his life. That's what he has done with his entire life. And he's 49-0. and 0. A lot of people consider him the best pound-for-pound pound fighter of all time. Um, and Conor McGregor fights in the UFC. Now, he does box a little bit, but it's not like he's a full-time boxer. You know, I heard an uh, interesting stat. was on the radio this afternoon. And, you know, the most money Conor McGregor has ever made in a fight leading up to Saturday is $3 million. I think Floyd made like 150 in his last one. If Conor McGregor was so damn good at boxing, don't you think he would be boxing instead of fighting in the UFC when he could be making 150 million instead of three million a fight? Um, so think about it that way. My comparison to this, and you know, Boomer, tell me what you think about this, is you know I've said from the get go, it's like you take the best high college basketball player in the country. So <clears throat> leading up to this year. You know, we'll say Grayson Allen because he's a big name. He's been there. This will be his fourth year at Duke. So let's take Grayson Allen. You know, probably the best, one of the better college basketball players coming in the season. It might be one of these big name freshmen, you know, Porter or uh, 
What's the new kid that just reclassified? It might be one of those guys, but you know. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was college basketball season. I thought it was college football season. What I'm getting at is, let's take the best college basketball player in the country. We're giving Grayson Allen a nod here, just for argument's sake. And you put him up against the best NBA player, so LeBron. You have him play one on one. Who's going to win that? It's LeBron every time. That's the way I'm. That's my analogy for this fight. Am, am I too off for that? Am I crazy for that? Yeah, that was a pretty terrible analogy. Um, you're only going to hear that analogy here, folks. Yeah. Very bad. I am a UFC guy. I watch it regularly. I'm very into it. And there are a bunch of different ways that this fight can go. A, a million different ways that this fight can go. But there's only one way that this fight goes with Conor McGregor winning. Not and that's if Floyd Mayweather takes a dive. Yeah, but he's not going to take a dive. And that's why... If I was you, I would read every 10 seconds of every article about Floyd Mayweather leading up to the fight to make sure he bets on himself. See, the thing is, if he, you know, and David covered that earlier, he's never bet on himself. And what does he have to win? If he went, bets $5 million on himself, he's only going to win a million when he's set to make $300 million in this fight. Like, it's yeah, a, it's yeah. Super, it's just, it's just for, for my peace of mind, I'm not expecting him to bet on himself. It's a superstition thing for him, and he's never once bet on himself. The only the only thing that I'm looking at to, that prevents him from taking a dive in this fight is the 49 and 0. Yeah. 50 and 0 is a very big deal to him mentally. That means more than any kind of money he would make on the next two fights that would come out of him taking a dive in this fight. Right. It it is no comparison. Floyd Mayweather is the best defensive fighter ever. Ever ever. And Conor McGregor lost and got knocked out by Nate Diaz in a in a sole boxing match in the UFC. They did not go to the ground. It was strictly boxing, and it wasn't even close. No, Nate Diaz is a damn junkyard dog from the streets that would get his ass whooped by Floyd Mayweather in a nail salon. I mean, really. Realistically speaking, if you can get 450 right now, go take out a loan and put it on Floyd Mayweather. The only way this is a loss is, like I said, is if he takes a dive. Mm-hmm. Conor McGregor's not going to get a lucky punch in. If you go look at the videos online, and from what I've been told from a couple of guys in Vegas, is Conor McGregor's not going to be able to keep up with him. It's he's he's going to have to win the fight in the first two in the first two rounds because yeah. after that, he's never seeing the kind of endurance and stamina that it takes to actually finish a boxing match and the kind of speed that Floyd Mayweather is going to be bringing, moving his entire body, not just his hands. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's where I'm at. I'm at, you know, minus 450. I'm taking that locked in all in on that. But just like you said, in case he takes a dive or in case McGregor does, I don't think he's going to get a punch. I don't think he touches Floyd all night unless Floyd wants him to. But um, you can get right now McGregor, to win by knockout in rounds one or two at plus seven hundred. Um, so That's if, if you want to stupid, those odds should be so much higher. That is so ridiculous. I'm just saying, if you want to hedge a little bit, you know, it's a hard time to bet four hundred and fifty and only win a hundred. I know that. So, you know, do that and then bet another twenty on this plus seven hundred just to kind of hedge a little bit. That way you're still coming out with something. But I mean, I'm not gonna do it personally. 
But if I were, that would be the second bet I'd look at. I mean, Mayweather minus 450, though. Just start parlaying it. With every college football game you take, add Mayweather minus 450 to it. Um, because you might lose the college football game, but you're probably not going to lose Mayweather. You, you know, you might double your money on Stanford versus Rice because you add McGregor or Mayweather. You might get a little bit more just because you add that extra bet. But he's not losing. I mean, it's not happening. So one of the positive things that has happened the recent days is Mayweather sees the decline in the ticket prices for the fight and the estimates for the pay-per-view. And he has actually started going out on interviews saying that Conor McGregor has a chance because he's old and has lost a step. Him coming out and saying that yeah, is trying to sell this yeah. fight. And, it's, and he understands that. He's going to go ahead and he needs to win this fight and move on to the next one because it's not drawing as much attention as money as he thought, and two more fights probably won't either. No, so I, mean, I don't want to buy this fight, but it's one of those, you know, it's it's a huge deal. I mean, there's nothing else going on Saturday night. I mean, I don't want to give these scumbags my money, but they're going to get it anyways, and it's something to watch, something to talk about. So I'll do it just in case some crazy bat shit happens. But, yeah, I'm not really looking forward to it. I'm way more excited about these shitty college football games on Saturday than I am this fight. But, you know, that's what it is. So, I mean, obviously you're minus 450 on Mayweather and taking it. Of course. Yeah, okay. So my, I figured, my take out a second mortgage to go in and put that in. Yeah, I figure we'd both be in on that so one thing we like here at deep fried bets at the deep fried bets podcast we love uh social interaction uh we love hearing from some of our fans um some of our friends on twitter facebook all that and we want to hear what you want to know you want to know about the uh the san quentin state versus the saint bernardino uh division three college football game you got a line for us you know we'll look at it we'll get that to you that's what we're here for we're here for the people and this week, a uh, friend of the podcast, Eddie Lowe, has reached out. and He's got some questions for us. Uh, first one he wants to know is uh, what are the odds that the McGregor-Mayweather fight isn't rigged? I think we talked about that a little bit. Um, if the money was more on Mayweather, you know, if, like, the amount of bets were, like, 50-50 and then the money, you know, obviously would be way more on Mayweather – I wouldn't touch this personally because then you get into a point where, all right, Vegas stands to win a lot of money if McGregor wins or that kind of thing. But since it's just so overwhelming, like Vegas is going to lose their ass if McGregor wins this fight, I don't, I don't suspect any foul play here to you. No, definitely not. That's, that's a great point. They would definitely know if it was rigged and they would definitely protect themselves on the back end. McGregor, if they thought, the, if they thought this was rigged, McGregor would be a favorite. Right now, simple as that. Like I, and, don't, I don't bet on boxing generally because of shit. Like that shit is rigged. Like go watch. That, oh yeah, go watch that Pacquiao Horn fight from Australia a couple weeks ago on ESPN. That that shit is one hundred percent rigged in a straight you know man versus man boxing match. But there's going to be so many eyes on this, and boxing is a dying sport. And they're trying to suck the life out of everything. You know, get what little bit of viewership they can. They're hoping that maybe they can strive to add some new viewers from this, and they're not going to, you know, rig a fight when 100 million people are watching or whatever it is. Um, just, you know, especially when they stand to lose money. You know, this fight happens to be in Vegas. Don't act like the books don't have a say in this if it goes to decisions. You know, 
Now the fight, the fight is happening at an offsite. It's not happening at a casino for the first time, right? Uh, I don't know. It's at that uh, T-Mobile Arena. Right. So there isn't going to be any extreme insiders like there would be if it was at the MGM Grand where most of the boxing events take place. But somebody would know about this and word would get around the street very fast. So, So, yeah, Eddie, I think we're both in agreement here that, believe it or not, we don't think this is rigged. One of the few boxing matches you'll ever see that's not. So go check it out while you got a chance. All right, so next up. Eddie says he's never gambled before. Uh, having never bet on a sporting event, first, what the fuck am I even doing in my life? Great question. Uh, missing out. And B, how would you suggest he gets set up this gambling season? How are you going to spend? You got $100, hypothetical first-time gambler. What are you betting on? Um, well, if you're, uh, if you're listening to the Deep Fried Best podcast, then uh, you're going to go ahead and throw it on any one of the – numerous picks that we have given out if you're not listening to the defried bets podcast then you can go hand a stranger that 100 dollars bill and ask him to kick you in the nutsack right because it might get more enjoyment um but yeah no I mean, we've got several picks out here for you uh eddie i would hypothetically start probably just go ahead and lay that 100 on floyd so heading into week one of the college football season you got a little bit of extra bankroll you might get one or two more games than you would have been able to get because you did take that money on Floyd. But you're going for your first bet of this, the real – say you're not interested in this Saturday. you got plans. Uh, you, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond, maybe Home Depot. I don't know. I don't know if you'll have enough time. I guess it's, I think it's actually the other way around, Home Depot, maybe Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if we'll have enough time. But uh, maybe that's your plans on Saturday. Maybe you're not interested in the Hawaii UMass football game. You're waiting until next week, college football's official start. You're going to go ahead and your first bet is going to be Indiana plus 21 at home. But we'll get to that more next week. Well, if you want to, if you want to hear from uh, from a gambler standpoint of what you do with a hundred dollars is, is you find the nearest casino, you go walk in, you put that hundred dollars all on red. After that hits, you walk over to the craps table, you line up one hundred dollars on the pass line, let it roll out, put the net, put fifty on six and fifty on eight. Let that ride for a little bit. About uh, 45 minutes passes. You're going to be up about roughly $900. Then you go into the poker room and go ahead and collect and have a good time. All right. So, yeah, those of you who are listening to this on the flight out to Vegas for the fight, um, there's uh, there's your advice from Boomer. But um, So that's our social media question of the week. Send those in. We'll answer anything. We don't care what it is. Uh, we don't really have much shame. Uh, we'll answer anything you send our way. Uh, we, we're glad to do it, too. So let's get to it, Boomer. It's the Deep Fried Bets Podcast, and if there's one thing that's synonymous with the Deep Fried Bets Podcast, it's the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week. So it's a tough sledding out there. We're not going to let Mayweather McGregor. We're not calling. We're not letting that go in our lock of the week. Sorry, if that's what you had written down, I doubt it is. But um, you know, that's just too much. It's too easy. We're not giving it to you. We're giving you a real lock where you can actually win some real money. If you lay down a hundred, you're going to get close to a hundred back. I'll start us off. I might have hinted at this a little bit earlier, but Colorado State, the fighting Mike Bobos at home, minus four. Against Oregon State, Colorado State is my Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. Nick, Nick Stevens, uh, last year honorable all or honorable mention for All Mountain West uh, quarterback. Him and fourteen other of his starting starting uh, buddies are back for the uh, 
the Buffs or the Rams this year. So we're going to go ahead and say Colorado State minus four week one. Boomer, who's your stone cold Steve Austin lock of the week? Well, uh, unfortunately, I'm not, you're not going to get value on this pick, but um, I'm going with take the bet, take the exact play of Mayweather unanimous, unanimous decision. The fight will finish. He will win. There will be no blood. Okay. What's uh, what's that odd? I don't have it in front of me, but uh, bookmaker bookmaker coming out of me right now. I would say unanimous decision by Mayweather is going to be looking at probably around minus uh, two fifteen. Yeah, I'd say it's around two two fifteen somewhere in there. All right, so that's our Stone Cold Steve Austin locks of the week. That's all we got for you this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed those interviews. Um, like I said, get with us on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, we're all over the place. Uh, the website, we've got those deep fried college football previews coming out. I've got all the conferences that they have been done. Next couple of days, we're going to look at some maybe uh, some non-Power 5 teams. And then we're going to get to uh, – got a top 25 coming out, which should be interesting. First time I've ever done that. Um, then we'll get to the playoff teams and that kind of stuff. And then next Thursday – is when it really gets going. Uh, Indiana, Ohio State, that Thursday night. We'll have the podcast up in plenty of time for you. Uh, you know, if you got any guests that you want to hear on the Deep Fried Bets podcast, shoot them out to us, and we'll try to make it happen. Um, you know, we do what we can. We love to get some good guests. I have a great time interviewing them. So, you know, we appreciate you tuning in. Tell your friends. We'll catch you back next week. Remember what you're sending the fine folks off into the weekend with. Dodge got this weekend, massage your money, and treat yourself. Oh, treat yourself. All right, friends, until next time, Boomer, what are we going to do? How are we going to make gambling great again? No, we're going to stay wealthy, my friends. Isn't that your deal? Oh, no, that was last year. That was last year. We're already wealthy. We're already wealthy. We're just going to start to keep making that climb, making that money. So fatten up your wad. There you go. We'll come back next week uh, when Boomer has something good for you. All right, folks, appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you next time.